0: Season and I'm feeling like stunts
1: They hitting on me and my homie 'cause I'm Mars, not a lightener. They, they mad
2: like 'cause Stikes. we just got the passion, never slacking or lagging. The funny
1: thing is, step up to us, you know we bout that action, but look.
3: Welcome back to the Savant Podcast. Here at the Savant Podcast, we fulfill your pop culture needs every week, including artist interviews, sports talk, streaming talk, album and song reviews, and video games. And today we have another artist interview, SDS Overfiend. Uh, he's the creator of the label SVB Productions uh, or Recordings, which is September's very best. Uh, he's a producer from New York City, Uh, We just talked about it on the American Graffiti breakdown, but he produced uh, six tracks on Issue's uh, latest LP. He also produced the single Heaven's Door, which is the lead single for Issue's LP, which is coming next year. And he also produced earlier this year uh, Ruffin's Revenge EP by Tony Ruffin, a project that was released under his label SVB Recordings. And he's also produced the entire Rutland Confidential album by B. Rutland. And last year, we also had um, his daughter on the podcast, Nico. Um, so this episode is definitely a long time coming. SDS, thanks for coming on the platform, man. How are you doing today?
1: I'm, I'm good. Thank you for having me, man. First and foremost, man, I like what you guys did with this place, man. For real, I, I, I sat back and I admired. I, I, I was listening. I tune in. I listen and I, 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 like, I like the way it's going, man. I, I, I truly appreciate everything you guys do for the culture. And I appreciate you guys having me here, man. I, I truly do. Them. I can't thank y'all enough.
3: Awesome. Well, yeah, we appreciate the kind words and, you know, the support from the beginning. Thank you so much. But uh, we also have Issue uh, here today. Um, issue, how are you doing? And, um, yeah, how does it feel to have uh, SDS finally on the platform?
4: Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a long time coming. It's a big blessing. SDS, like, he's done, like, so much for me, like, over the last year, like, just even... Outside of music, just like teaching me about life. So it's just like really a blessing to bring him into this world and have him on a podcast finally and just like really let people get
3: to know him for like who he is. And and, like I'm excited. Definitely
1: appreciate that,
5: man.
3: All right. So let's get right into the interview. Mm -hmm. So let's start at the beginning of your production journey. So describe, you know, the events in your life that led you up to producing back in the nineties and then also, you know, today.
1: I I was always a consumer. You know, I was basically born when hip hop started. I'm basically, you know, as I grew, I grew up, I listened to all kinds of music. I didn't even start on rap music. The first person that got me into music actually was Michael Jackson, just listening to Michael Jackson and stuff like that. So I, I started I was a big Michael Jackson fan when I was a kid. I was a big Cyndi Lauper fan. I was a big Madonna fan. I, I just like all kinds of music. You know, it wasn't just rap. So The one thing I always admired listening to music was just instruments, sound, placement, how things went. I always paid attention to it. So after a while, I was like, I wanted to just get into hip-hop. Around the mid-2000s, say about 2005, my brother, who's B. Rutland, and my uncle, who's actually Tony Ruffin, they was always doing music. And they had a little studio they would go to. But for some strange reason, the studio that they went to They wasn't giving them good music, like the music that that they was doing it just didn't fit what they was trying to do. And I happened to know what they wanted to do since I was always there when they was writing the songs and, you know, rapping it to me and all that. So one day I just made a promise and said, you know what, I'm going to produce our album just like that. I'm going to produce our albums. And they thought I was joking. So one day I just said, you know what, I don't even know where to start. I'm going to just go find a drum machine. So I saved up a little bit of money I had, and I brought a drum machine called the Street Box. And this machine was child's play at best. It couldn't sample. It couldn't do nothing. You could make beats. I mean, you could make drum patterns, and you could use the sounds to make beats and all that, but you really couldn't record with it. But me, you know, trying to put it together, I somehow made it work. I had a partner at the time, a friend of mine named El Blaze. He was down with my uncle's group, which is the Dutchman. And he was making beats for them, and he would teach me little things going forward, how to catch loops, how to sample records, how to, how to you know, f- you know flip it, speed it up, pitch it down, you know, to, to however you can work with it. So what happened was, when I first started, I didn't really, really get the support that I wanted from my brother. I was really trying to impress my, my brother, but I didn't get the support that I wanted from him. He told me I need to work on my craft a little more, and I need to go hang with another producer that lived in a building named None. Shout out to None. He's a good friend of mine. So I was like, well, if I go hang with Known, then I'm going to start to sound like None. And I don't want to sound like None. So I'm going to figure this out myself. So I spent time with my, my partner at the time, L Blaze, sitting in his crib. We had a little makeshift studio. And I would just find any CD, record, tape, whatever I could find. And I would just call myself sampling and playing along with it with the street box. Since the street box couldn't sample, we had a CD player that was called a CDEX that can jog, and they could hold spots on a um, CD for like memory. So like if you wanted to save a part of the song, you could save it to, you know, to memory one, memory two, memory three. So what I used to do was I would find three parts of the song that I think that I could actually sample, and I would actually make a drum pattern, and I would play the sample live as I'm recording with the street box. I would literally have to sit there for about two minutes and fifty seconds up to four minutes recording the beat live by hand. And it was like I couldn't mess up. If I messed up, I had to start all over again. So I actually learned how to do everything the hard way first. So those beats, some of the a lot of those beats, you can actually go on youtube and and hear it. So I learned through that time. I started just spending time in the in the little makeshift studio like eight hours a day just constantly making beats. I had no idea where they was going, who they was going to, but I was just making them. And before I knew it, everybody was like, yo, this is not bad, man. Like, this is this sound better than what we getting from the studio. So that kind of boosts my ego. So I was like, "Ah, right, if they like it, I'm going to just keep making more. So, I mean, I would literally be in his room in the summer, like no AC, just a window open and a fan just making beats all day, all day, all day. So then we wound up doing some uh we wound up doing some music. One of my other friends, my other friend Croc, shout out to Croc. He had a uh a 28-track board that he used to record. So he finally brought that, he brought a microphone and a few other things, and we started to record in the room and we made records in the room. Once I started to hear the people on those records, I started to get hype. I was like, yo, it's coming into fruition, like yo. All this time that I spent doing this, yo listen like like i'm I'm looking at everybody's reaction and they liking it, so as they begin to like it, I started to love it and I started to do more and more and more and more and more and then I wound up saving my money, I made a couple of dollars, I saved my money, and I brought my first NPC. I brought an nPC five hundred that so basically, I already see where I'm going with this. I like to do things the hard way. Yeah, I could have got a thousand. I could have got a two thousand, but I wanted to start light to see if it was the machine that I wanted to use. So I learned how to use the MPC 500, and for once, I had something that could sample out the gate. I started doing more music, spending more time with it. The quality of the music went up better. I started learning more tricks of the trade. I finally started learning how to count bars. I learned how to actually format records. Like I started learning all these things because I was dead serious now we was taking the music and we was going to the studio with it so now as tony ruffin true to god El blaze the dutchman as they're making their music now everybody's hearing like this new sound they got b rutland is like okay now you ready now you ready now i could you know now i'm ready to do that this down the third and i was like look here you gotta wait now because you ain't believe in the dream when it first started so now you gotta wait I got to get done with these guys because they stood there. They waited for me. They gave me all the support that I needed. They never turned me away. They was like really influential in helping me learn my sound and do everything that I could do to get to the point I am now. So I wound up putting some songs together for them and we did some music. So we actually, the first time I went to a recording studio, after I started to do the music to get it polished up, I went to P.F. Cutting Studio. And um, you probably would know P.F. and He had uh, some success back in the day with a group called Blase Blah. They had a song called Danger. That song was pretty big in Brooklyn. I don't know if you remember. It go when the East is in the house. Oh, my God. Danger. It was, it was really huge. So the producer of that song, he wound up engineering some of the music that I did with the Dutchman. So now I get to hear professional sound to go with the beats and with the rap. So I was blown away. I was hyped from right then and there it was on you couldn't tell me nothing i was hype i was like yeah big time here i come big time here i come it's on now fast forward a few months i have my daughter i have my second daughter so then i was like you know what man the music is fun and all but it's not putting no food on the table i gotta get a job you know i gotta get a job and then i gotta make the music my hobby and not like my full-time job that way, if something good comes out of it, you know, then I'll know it's real. So um, I slowed down the output of music and stuff like that. And I started to, you know, raise my daughters. I started to try to be there more in their life than I was before because I was still young running around trying to figure out who I was. So then um, a couple of things happened where my partner, whatever, you know, he started to feel the way that all the music that we was doing it was like, oh, wow, everybody is doing your music and they don't want to do mine no more. And it became like some internal strife within the group. So I was like, listen, they've been doing what they was doing with you for so long and I didn't want to step on your foot. I didn't want to step in and and start taking over because that's not the plan. You can't feel that way because you're rapping on the beats because you're part of the group and we are using some of your music too. So before I know it, I noticed like little things started happening where you know, the machine is starting to malfunction. This this guy is, like, breaking the machine. He's doing things to damage the equipment and stuff like that. Like, he basically started sabotaging everything. And it turned me off from music so bad that I said, you know what, I can't go on like this, man. I'm going to slow down because it seems like the higher up you get, there's always some weird obstacle that gets in the way. And, you know, my kids need me. So, you know, a couple that with a couple other things that was going on, I stopped. I just, I slowed down. I wound up, he he actually wound up breaking my MPC. And it, it was just, it was a lot of drama. A lot of drama. It, it, I'm, I'm getting PTSD just thinking about this. So, um, I wound up relaxing for a little bit, taking care of my kids, you know, getting a job and, and just being part of society for a little while. I stayed away from music. Fast forward 10 years, a full 10 years later, my brother, he ended up, uh, he passed away. And I remember going through my inbox with a message that he sent me. And I got another brother that rapped. His name is Mook Moola. And I remember he sent me a message that was like, Yo, man, what's up with some beats, man? You playing around, you sitting there trying to be family guy, having babies. Yo, we need music. And I remember I told him, I'll soon come back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But I didn't want to come back because music started changing. It started going away from the boom bap and stuff like that. It started becoming trap and everything else other than what it once was. And I didn't want to be sounding like outdated. So I was like, all right, man, when I get back, I got you. After he passed away, I started to uh, think about what he wrote. The pandemic happened. I stopped playing basketball. I stopped doing things. I was more so stuck in a house. I was stuck just back and forth from work to the house. And I said, you know what? Now it's time for me to go on a part two of my career. I think now I need to get back to the music. It's calling me, people asking and people implying. So I said, all right. I wound up buying me an MPC Live too. So once I got that that machine, I said, yo, it it felt so foreign that I was like, look, fellas, I'm going to need like a month before I can have anything ready. Because I got to sit. I got to study this machine. I got to read the instruction manual for once. I got to just get down and, and basically go in. Because once I go in, I'm not going to stop this time around. So um, I would take the machine out the box. It was a pretty machine. It was, it was so like expensive that I was kind of scared to break it. So I was like, you know what? I would take it out the box and look at it for about 30 minutes. I'll touch it. I'll smell it. And then i put it right back in the box. And I was like, I don't even know where to begin. So one day I called up my uncle and I said, yo, you know what? Let's go all out. I was like, yo, let's do an EP. It don't even got to be an album. Let's just do an EP where we're going to do like six, seven songs, organic, and we're just going to knock it out. And that's going to be that. So he was like, yo, you know what? I like the way that sound because ain't nobody buying albums no more. So we can just basically, you know, just feed, just feed them teasers. I was like, all right, cool. So one night I sat at the table at work and I had my machine with me, and it just came. It was like I knew what to do. I started searching for samples. I started searching for things, and I was like, yo, it's coming back to me. It's coming back to me. And the first record that I made was Ruffin's Back. That was the first beat that I made off the album, off the machine that was ready to go, Ruffin's Back. And I, I called my uncle, and I was like, yo, I think I got it. I said, I got the first single right now, Ruffin's Back. I played the form. And he was like, you know what? Stash that, put that in the cut. Don't let nobody hear it. I don't want nobody to hear it. I don't want nobody making plans for that song but me. And then all of a sudden, once I did that, that bug came back. I just started knocking down records left and right, left and right, left and right. And all of a sudden, the email started coming in. Yo, we heard you doing music again. Yo, we want in, we want in. And this time, the 10 years that I spent away from the game, I was still studying, I was still listening to music, I was still breaking down, I was still finding records, I was still, you know, I had all these songs that I would save on my YouTube page, like, oh, I'm gonna come back to this. When I start doing music again, I'm gonna come back to this. So now I had like at least over a thousand songs to choose from, basically, you know, as the new form of digital digging. And I just got started from there, and then the first thing that happened, came up with the and Revenge LP, And since his name was Tony Ruffin, I originally was supposed to do it like The Temptations. It was supposed to actually be like a spinoff of The Temptations with David Ruffin. But we wound up crapping that idea because he was like, I didn't get kicked out no group. So it ain't no sense to to be a David Ruffin in that manner. So we just got down to it. We did the EP. We put it together. And then now it was time for us to record it. On the flip side, my my brother B. Ruther we was doing. He was like, yo, I want in, man. It's time. This is sounding good. It's down the third. And I said, all right, cool, fine, no problem. So then I started working on his simultaneously. After, I, like, like, about three songs in with, with uh Ruffin, as I'm knocking those records down, I'm making records for B. Rutland also. And the first record that I made for him was actually Break It Down, which was the lead single off his album. That was the first record I did. And... That just led to me getting my groove back and the rest is history. My daughter introduced me to issue and I've been working ever since. So that's my introduction right then and there, you know?
4: That's definitely definitely uh definitely crazy history going back into that and everything. Right. I didn't even like I didn't even know like it was that deep. And I didn't even know that you, you know, spent that much time away from the game. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause when I heard the the first few beats you ever made me. It sounded like you've been doing this, like, consistently for, like, the longest. It didn't sound like you ever took a break from it or anything. Yeah. So much depth and everything. But, you know, you just uh, shared your production process already. But how has that in your sound evolved over the years to now in 2023?
1: Well, what, what happened was I always, like, listening to a person's voice and listening to what they normally rhyme over, I will, always try to con- I will always try to conduct something for that particular person's style. So when I first started, I used to always try to listen to, the, you know, how the person speak, how they rap, you know, their tempo, things of that nature. And I used to always try to play it off that. When I first started, I was more or less than find a nice loop, mix it up over it, play a few instruments over it, add a few things to it, and just basically get the beat up and running and then add things to it from then and there. I didn't know too much about layering at the time. I didn't know all the technical aspects of it. I was much less making music that basically sound like it was from like 89 to like 93, mm. like real simple, hard-hitting, heavy drums, a thick bass line and some little sounds to go... You know, in and out the beat. I might add a change up where I might drop the beat out. I might, uh, I might for like at least uh one bar. I might take out a snare. I might take out a drum. But it's all old school. Basically, it's like basically a lot of old school techniques that I learned over the years from listening to Marley Mar. And that's how I was back then. When I came back to the music, I was like, you know what? This time. I want to be free as a bird. The only thing that I want to be able to do is uh, layer the sounds properly. That's it. Mm. it. It nothing, nothing really evolved much. It's except for the sound and the timings, like learning more or less how to get the best out of you know the best out of the beat itself. Like if I come up with a concept, I normally try to start. With the drums first. That's how I used to always try to figure it out. So, um, like when I would do, let's say I'm doing songs for B. Rutland, I know that my brother B. Rutland like his music up tempo, which is anywhere from 91 to at least 100 BPMs. So I would try to, I would automatically say, you know what? I would, I would actually make the rhythm at the 87 BPM range and then speed it up. Because sometimes if you try to play drums at a fast, like if you try to play the drums out at a fast speed, you'll trip up over yourself. So all I did was just play it at a slow tempo. Then I just turned it up, you know, to the the tempo that he desires. And then I'll go about adding things into it, you know, so forth and so on. If he has an idea that he want me to do, then I'll sit at the drawing board and I'll kind of piece it together Okay, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna start off with the sample, and then I'll play over it. Basically, old school. I'll start with the sample, filter everything out, and just play over it, and then add the sample back in on a like. If I if I make the sample like if it's basically um high filtered, like I filter it high, I would add the low the low pass to it as a baseline, and you wouldn't even know the difference. That was something that I learned from Marley Ma where you actually make the same sample play underneath the original one and it sounds like a bass line itself. So I, I learned that from just years of lis- listening to Marley Ma records. So once I, once I got down to learning all of that, I had to understand that my uncle was up-tempo also, but he likes harder hitting drums. He likes tempo like drums that fall on the one-two more than anything where it's like uh it's simple boom bap boom boom bap like there's no there's no ghost drum to it like that unless it, you know it occurs but most of the time he's real simple and hard hitting and he likes old school breakbeats from like you know from the times where we would listen to uh Mr. Magic and stuff like that when I was little so that's why when you listen to Ruffin's Revenge it has like a old school feel with a, with new school um techniques in it and when after i was finished with them i had to get on a new wave because i had to go back and listen to your music issue so once i started yeah. to listen to everything that you was doing i was like yo you know what's funny i was like yo issue is a mixed bag like there's no song that sound the same so that was cool because i was like guess what that means i can make anything i want and he can adapt to it whereas what B Rutland and with Tony Ruffin, they'll tell you outright if they don't like something because it's not what they want. But most of the time, when i'm when I'm making beats for you, I, I notice that a lot of your music, it has like a nice euphoric ambiance, if you know what I mean. like like it, it, like it's like you're floating around, and it's literally like we talked about, the colors are the sound, like it's a bunch of colors all over the place making a sound. So when I would make certain beats for you, I would just think about everything that you did before that. And I'll try to simplify it and just say, you know what? Like he's a spit up. Once the beat come on, like I literally have to say, yo, issue, chill. That's enough. You giving him too much. So sometimes I try to um I try to I try not to make the beat so cluttered because I don't I don't want to take away from what you're doing. You understand? I'm not, I'm not trying to overproduce the record to take the shine off of you. I'm actually just trying to provide, you know, that sonic assist to go with the voice. So if you listen to a lot of the beats, you'll hear that the drums are not overly loud, but they're low, like they're low pass. They're dusty. It's like it has a little, like if it's in a chamber, basically. Like it's chamber music. That's how I try to make a lot of the songs for you when you're in that zone, and then if you got any ideas, then, you know, I normally be like, yo, what you got in mind, and you'll tell me, and then we'll just go to work from there. So basically, as I evolve, I can, I can say, like, my evolution is me becoming a better listener to the artist, to understanding what they want to rhyme on, rather than just, you know, having a whole bunch of beats ready and just be like, here, yeah, take this, take this, take this. Uh-uh, I, I don't operate like that.
3: All right, so with that being said, we're going to get to the first track uh, produced by SDS. Uh, this is Heaven's Door, you know, collaboration with Issue High, of course. This was dropped on April 13th of this year, um, and it's the lead single, um, like I said at the beginning of the episode, for Issue's LP coming next year, uh, entirely produced by SDS Overfiend. Fiend. Uh, hope you guys enjoy the song.
2: space, I was living lie, man, fuck a suit and tie, I don't really rock with those niggas who wouldn't ride or die, so if I treat you like my fam, then that means you number one, let it play right on my table, we about to get you some. I like to see my people flourish, but we stuck inside the limitations, i have it at Harley, feels like we won, feel like another Gallagher, because I'm on the cusp. picked up a pen and kept it pushing, man, I'm getting it done, smoking gas and writing songs in these compositions, issue the endless is he feel it, can't see no competition, free smoking, I'm giving the highest dose, for Lotus, 10 p.m. wrote the ballads and, and now I sit from the potion, the promising potion. myself I stay away from all the friendship I wish you well but I just feel I need to keep Genius. my distance, cause when you give you all these niggas try to play they you often, play don't me. play with issue man, these flows will leave you in but the, the coffin then there's the bitches that be fronting like they so religious, Loving the crew and now they wanna make issue, committed. sick with the flu, I had to leave to get my mind right, chasing right. my dreams, they want me distant from the limelight lime right. don't ask for shit about my bank account bank so many account. nights I was looking yeah. for ways to make it Ways out. Make Fuck it niggas out. talking about the realest nigga on the team. They call me Taj, I mean the crime. I gotta reign some crime. And nothing. I'm really looking for some better days. It's so melodic, chaotic, until the rent is paid. Yeah, yeah. Look, was never kisses and hugs. Stop irritating my soul. I got soul. No time to repeat. The cycle getting too old.
3: All right, so that was Heaven's Door by Issue High produced by SDS Overfiend. Um before I get your both your guys' uh, thoughts on the tracks and the production process.
1: Yeah.
3: You know, I told this to Issue like maybe like a week ago or a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Like this song is like my favorite of his so far and it's funny, you know, you just talked about how you know you don't want to overshine you know the artist with the beats that you give them right and this one in particular you know i i, w- I can't even say you know all all the beats that you produced on american graffiti you know, are just as good but this one in particular thank you you brought something out of issue that i've i mean i've always seen i've always seen the potential right. you know from the beginning but this one in particular right it was just, and I love at the beginning, you kind of hear the the picture being taken. Right,
5: right, and
1: right. And it's
3: like Issue's a star now. Right. So get your thoughts on, you know, producing this track versus all the tracks that you did for American Graffiti. And yeah, your thoughts on Issue's performance uh, for Heaven's Door.
1: Oh, man. When I first came up with the idea for that beat, I had some, I actually had a kit. I had a kit that I was using. And, um. I forgot what I was listening to. We were, we was listening to, uh, Scarfaces by Raekwon. We was talking about Wu-Tang actually. And Issue told me that he, he was like, yo, that's my, that's one of my records. Like that was one of his favorite joints. And I said, you know what's funny? I have a, a break beat with that particular drum pattern, but the drums was a little like, you know, dusty. They was more dusty and they sounded like they was in the chamber. So I said, you know what? I got an idea. I said, I want him to rhyme over that particular um breakbeat. I'm going to slow it down a little bit, and I'm going to add something to it to make it feel like you're on a journey. Like, you're just like, now you're going to go inside the mind of issue. You're going to get inside the mind. And I told him, since it's like the first collaboration, like, like you know, with Savon and SVB, I said, listen, I don't even want, I don't even want it to be a, like a whole song. I said, look, you can give me 24 bars straight. And we we always talked about at least having one single able to play as a real on like Instagram or TikTok or stuff like that. Because if you can get the people's attention within that span of like a minute and 20 seconds, you can get them to actually go listen to the music. So I was like, look, within that, within that amount of time, I want you to let them inside your head. Now that, you know, we're getting older, we're getting wiser. We want to let them know, like, listen, heaven's door. You keep knocking on it long enough, somebody's gonna somebody's gonna answer it. But we don't. We know we don't deal with the devil timing. So I didn't want to say anything with the devil. No, uh-uh. we we dealing in good faith here. So I just wanted it to be like, listen, heaven's door. This is what it sound like if you were sitting on the stoop of Saint Petersburg waiting for somebody to answer the door when it's judgment day. So when you hear when you hear the intro and you hear like the Doom, doom, boom, boom, Like if I can do, you know, for lack of a better description of the sound effect, it's actually supposed to sound like when you're having like, how can I say, when you're having like, you know, you know when you get a flashback, and 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 the, the bubble comes up and it go. So it was like that's what I was aiming for. Like if like if it's like all right, we're gonna take you on a journey, man. Like you you're gonna literally get inside his head, and you're gonna see what this door leads to when you listen to issue high you're going to know what this door leads to. Everything that starts now, this is the door. So as soon as you open this door, it's colors over here, it might be some weed smoke over here, it might be a botanical garden growing weed over there, it might be this over there like you're just going to open that door and it's going to be a whole bunch of good things. You know cuz that's what everybody thinks heaven is. Once you open the door and you're in heaven, everything is perfect. But For that particular song, Heaven's Door is like, all right, soon as you open this door, you're going to be treated to all the good things and some of the bad things that's in Issue's mind. I just wanted to provide the soundtrack for that as the lead single because it's basically, you know, what what I was thinking of, how we're going to open the album. So Mission Accomplishment, the lyrics, the lyrics is on point. The song is not only is the song is the song cool. It's it's relaxing. Like if you're doing something around the house and you literally play it's short and sweet to the point where you gotta be like, nah, I gotta, I can rewind that. I gotta rewind that. I gotta rewind that. So if they if they say, man, this song is so good, yo, we wish it was longer. Nah, just rewind it, rewind it, bring it back, bring it back. Don't worry about it being, you know, bring it back. And if you think that's something, when you hear what else we got for the new album, trust me. You're going to see why it's short and sweet because it's going to get it's going to open up the door. That's just a teaser. That's going to open up the door to something, you know, beautiful, man, something beautiful, man. And I put everything I love on that, man. If you if, oh, man, oh, man, side A, side B. That's all I can tell you, man. That's all I can say. So as far as issue goes, man, issue know how I feel because the moment he gave it back to me, fire emojis, tears. It wasn't nothing else for me to say. I didn't, I didn't have to say you need to go back and fix this. Nope, uh-uh. He said what he needed to say. He executed, and that was it. And I, I tell him once, I tell him a thousand times, I'm proud of him. I appreciate everything that he do for me. I appreciate what he do on the records. And, and it makes me sound better sometimes. It makes me sound better than what I really am. So that's all I can say, man. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. I love it. It's, it's in my favorites. It's definitely on repeat. But before I forget, Before I forget, I have to say this. I have to say this. The best part about hearing anything that I produce for Issue High is when I'm listening to my YouTube playlist and the algorithm puts his song between legendary songs that I listen to. And it blends in so seamlessly to the point where he now sounds just as legendary as saying, I was listening to a song from Nas issue high than jay-z it's to the point where he's right in between them and then i get to hear my brothers then my uncles and then it's like another legendary rapper and it's to the point where i don't even say yo why did i get in there it, it just flows it just feels good like you feel it's like he's one of the boys so i know he's destined for greatness i don't even have to say no more
3: all right and then issue so yeah give uh give everyone your take on when you first heard this beat And, you know, the writing process that uh, you executed for this song. Yeah, I already said this phenomenal track and SDS has as well. But yeah, we're both very, very proud of you for what you put out, not only in this track, but your entire career up to this point.
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, like when I first heard the beat, because around the time I've been spending a lot of time at my cousin's house and I had like recently just like started to be outside more and stay out and be on my own and stuff like that, just to get my mind right, start thinking about my life and stuff. Because I had just recently graduated high school. I did my first semester of college. It wasn't really my thing. So I was in a transitional phase. And I was like, always, I'm always writing and stuff like that. So when I first heard the beat and it sounded so melodic. And as VB know, every time we talk, i just been melodic, chaotic, melodic. It's just, that's the sounds that we've just been like, I don't know. We just been in that chamber. So when I first heard it, I knew I wanted to get introspective. It was the perfect length of time for me to get everything out I wanted to say. And it was just like, it was like, it was just like perfect. And it just blended so well. I didn't have trouble on the beat. When me and Oracle went to the studio, um, shout out to Isaiah the Trillis. When me and him went to the studio and he heard it, he was like, yo, who who made this? I was like, oh, um, S.D.S. Overfiend, S.V.B. made it for me. He um made some tracks on American Graffiti. He was like, yo, that beat is the truth, cause he was with me in the studio when I was recording it, and we got it done. That was the first track we did, and he kept we kept replaying it in the studio. Engineer was uh mixing up my vocals on it, and it was just like an easy process, and and honestly, like everything was in tune and it resonated well, and I just really enjoyed putting that on the track, and I'm really excited for um. Was what's on, on the album like
3: SVB set side A side B, like this is only a tease. All right, so SDS, what was it like uh, growing up in the golden age of hip hop? Uh, the for th- for those who don't know, the mid '80s to early '90s in New York. Wow,
1: oh man, it was music was life. Music was everything because as as hip hop grew, we I grew with it. So I'm basically like a I'm I'm basically like a son of hip hop, you know. Like I said before, I listened to everything, not just hip-hop. But there was a time where, like around, I'll say about 1988, you know, hip-hop before before the golden, because hip-hop was the, 88 uh, was the second golden age. Prior to the second golden age, a lot of it was becoming stale because some of, some of those acts that we were listening to from back then, they wasn't transitioning well coming into like the new era, into the late 80s. So by then you had Rakim. Once Rakim and KRS-One and Big Daddy King came out, that's when I was like sold. I was like, listen, I'm hip hop. Sold. There's nothing else you could tell me about hip hop no more. Wherever these guys go, I'm following. So my main four around that time was Rakim, Karis One, uh, Big Daddy Kane, and Slick Rick. You couldn't tell me nothing about them four right there because those four gave me everything that I needed in terms of music and life. KRS-One was the teacher. You know what I'm saying? He gave you the lessons on what the school ain't teaching you. You know what I'm saying? He gave me the the knowledge on the devil's technology. Rakim gave me the 5% of lessons on how to try to live as righteous as you can while towing the line between doing things by any means necessary. Big Daddy King gave us the style. Me and my brothers, everybody wanted flat tops. Everybody wanted chains. Everybody wanted to wear um. The Flyers Clothes, everybody just like that was the style. Big Daddy Kane was the style. Plus, he was from Brooklyn. He was right up, basically up the block from me. And then I had Slick Rick. Slick Rick was the greatest, the greatest storyteller ever. Slick Rick, listening to Slick Rick at that time was like trying to sneak and listen to Richard Pryor songs. Like back then, you know, my parents, like they had Richard Pryor records and stuff like that, but we couldn't listen to that because it was vulgar. So we had to sneak and listen to it. So when it came to listening to Slick Rick, a lot of his subject matter was so braunchy, dirty, nasty, that most of the good records I couldn't play around my mom and stuff like that. So I literally had to sneak and listen to it on tape. So afterwards, you know, those were like my four, like my main four. Once I heard Big Daddy Kane, Ain't No Half Stepping," I was sold on hip-hop. Hip-hop was, I was a part of it. I was a part of it. Then EPMD came out, and it was no turning back. I was stuck. I was stuck in a groove. And at that time, you know, gangster rap slid in. We had, you know, things from the West Coast, you know, and we listened to that too. Basically, we listened to anything that sound good in my household. It wasn't like, yo, we didn't listen to uh, rappers from the South, rappers from the East rap. You know, nah, if it was dope, it got played. That's all we knew. All we knew, whether we was taping it off the radio or my cousins came through with some records that they caught off the radio and they wanted to play it and we was listening to it. We basically were just children of hip-hop. Anything that was new, we listened to. First and foremost, let me bring it back. I can never forget, out of the four that I just mentioned, I can never forget MC Light. MC Light lived down the block. It actually went to the same high school she went to. She's another one of the legends that was nice, that can hang with the boys. She was good. Very, very good. And I listened to her just as much. Man, I'm sorry. Forgive me, fellas. I did not mean to leave her out intentionally. It's just that it's so broad of a spectrum when it comes to hip hop. She was one of them, too. And Roxanne Shantae. I can't forget them. See, the more I go on, all these people going to start to come back to me. But those six that I just mentioned felt more like my uncles or big brothers than they were rappers to me. So now at, that, now at my age, when I see all of my heroes, they're like those cool uncles to me that, that raised me and taught me game. So growing up from the 80s, the 90s in Brooklyn and being in an the epicenter of hip hop, I learned everything I needed to learn basically from the street culture. And I had a head start when it was time for me to become a teenager, along with getting lessons from my fathers, my brothers, my uncles. You know, those rappers were like the second opinions. They was never my first opinions because my mother and father was my first opinion, but they were like the second opinion. You know what I'm saying? And they shaped me. So when it comes to that particular era, that's the type of music that I like to make that sound like them with a twist of myself, you know, a twist of everything original that I can add to it because that was the golden age that hit that that hooked me to hip hop.
4: Um, my family has a, a few stories with, you know, 80s and 90s artists, and we talked about it on a podcast, and I even talked about it with SVB as well. Right. Do you have any personal stories that involve, like, any New York rappers from that era, like the
1: 80s, 90s, mid-90s, 80s, you know? Oh, man, do I? Wow. Um, Talk to me. Wow. This, this did, yo, issue, this is so broad, man. It's It's so broad. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Remember like I said MC Light lived down the block. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And when she first came out and we we were seeing her on TV on on video music box. It was like, yo, that's Lana. That's Lana that lived down the block. Yo, she paper thin. Say word. Like yo, we was tripping because you can actually go outside and you can see MC Light on the block. You know what I'm saying? So that was like that was like the first instance of having a, a superstar that, that eventually became a superstar in the hood. We had a lot of reggae. We had a lot of reggae acts around my way too. That was that was huge. Shout outs to Minnie More High Power. They still tour to this day. Their sound set DJ Super Dane. That's that's my brother. He still touring to this day representing uh Mini More High Power, and they brought a lot of reggae acts to the hood for Memorial's Day that when they used to give concerts in the middle of the street and lock down the whole block. Uh, man, let me see if I can keep going from 80s to the 90s and who I've met. I can, I can say I actually freaking sat down in, in, the, in the room with uh, Sean Price at El Blaze Crib, my, my, who I used to do the music with. And Sean Price actually told me that he was going to come back and get some music from me. When I was ready, and I I remember sitting in the room, and he was like, "Oh, you did that, yo, you did that, son, you did that. Word, you trying to step your shit up like that?" And this is around the time he just dropped, he just dropped Monkey Bars, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come check you, I'm gonna come definitely check for you." And the funny part was that he said he said that, and he did come back to check for me. He did come back to ask me for some beats and stuff like that. But the CDs that we had him on in the room. I don't know what my partner at the time did with him, but we couldn't find him. And when he actually came to ask me that, he was in my brother, my brother Don Plus. He was sitting in my brother's Don Plus room, which was upstairs at the which was upstairs in the apartment at the time. And I remember him smoking weed. He was like, Yo, son, you got them beats ready for me? And I was like, yo, they upstairs at El Crib. And he was like, yo, so go get them. And I'm, I'm I'm gonna listen to them right now. And I, I remember like, yo, L, where the music at? Where the music at? And he didn't give me the goddamn music. And I missed out my opportunity to have Sean Price rapping on some of my beats bef- long before that. Like long before I even got to where I am now, I missed that opportunity. And um, a good friend of mine, actually, uh, Jay Chemist, friend of mine, a friend of the family, he a rapper too, live in my building. Good people. He He's tight. Sean, him and Sean Price hang out a lot. They hung out a lot. And he used to always tell Sean Price good things about me. And that's what that's what made Sean Price keep the air out for me and, and was like, yeah, I'm gonna come back for you. But by the time I wanted to get back to music, he passed away in 2015. And that shit broke my heart. It broke my heart because now I'm at where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? He would have like he's he's a man for the culture. If he tells you he's gonna do something, he would have did it. So that definitely would have been like an ally, a ally, a good to great ally to have. For SVB, where I could actually be like, yo, you know what, Sean Price, he, he's ready and willing. Yo, Sean Price, here's a beat. Yo, can we get a feature? This down the third. You know what I'm saying? He was always cool. Like, listen, man, just come to the studio. I got you. And 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 with him, it was it was love. And, and hip hop lost a good one, a, a real good one. I have a, a another story about the time I met Ghostface. I met Ghostface Killer. And I wasn't even doing beats at the time. I just was starting to get into the music. I was taking these music seminar classes and I, I met Ghostface on 42nd Street in Times Square. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember um, he, was going, he was going to finish up the album for Supreme Clientele. And um, he, he told me, yo, whatever you do, he said, whatever you do, God stay in school. And I was I was like, yo, I was supposed to graduate, but I had to do summer school that year. And I was like, yo, when the album coming out, he was like, he told me Supreme Clientele, summer 99, August 14th. And I was like, say word. That's the day I get out of summer school. He was like, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna bless you for summer school. Stay, he was like, yo, stay in summer school, shorty. Don't drop out. Don't be like us. Be better than us. That's what. That's just what he used to say. That's just what he actually said to me during that encounter. And I kid you not, I wound up seeing him again when I worked for Fresh Direct in uh, 2006, coming from the studio, Chung King Studios in 42nd Street when I was going home, coming home from work. I ran into him again, and I told him, yo, I still remember the conversation that we had like seven years prior to that. And he was like, word, 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 God, word, God, I remember. And no BS, it was, he he actually remembered. And I was like, Ghost, that's you? And he still, he was a little bit heavier because, you know, time went by. And he remembered the convo. He really remembered the convo. And I was just starting to do my music. But I didn't want to be like, yo, I got a beat tape. Because I ain't had no damn beat tape. I was just, all my music was stuck on that little machine that was in the house. So I didn't have no CDs to give him, but. Chances are if I did give him a CD, he probably wouldn't have did anything with him because most of that music was weak at the time. It was just decent. It wasn't good enough to be on a, a a woo project like that. But now I see him again. Yeah, I got some heat for him, trust me. But those are a couple times that I can say I, I, you know, got to meet some people and have conversations with them. But, you know, I'm I'm sorry I can't recollect a lot of it, but periodically, man, I might just happen to come back to the to the podcast one day and and be like, you know what, we doing a part two to this, and you know, remember some of the stories, and 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 take it from there. But I met, I mean, I met a lot of people. Actually, I played basketball in Lincoln Terrace Park with OGC, with still from uh, Smith and Weston and OGC. I played ball with them one time in the in the summer. We played basketball. I remember them trying to um, you know, talk me in, into into doing some more music at the time. This was like about two thousand and seven. I was just starting to do the music, and again, I was so shy about telling people that I had music, that I was like, no, nah, I'm working on some things. I'm just starting, and I remember they was like, nah, keep doing it, man. We're going to see you on the comeback. Trust me, and I was, I was nervous. I was nervous because I, I wasn't good enough, but of course, I would love for anybody to rap on it, but you know, they never dissed me or nothing like that. They just said, yo, keep working on it, man. When we, Yo, when you come back, you're going you're gonna to be I. right. You're going to kill them, yo. You're going to kill them. And now, look, man, I wish I can produce something for them. I wish I can get them in the studio and do some work because it'll be worth it.
3: All right. Well, thank you for blessing us with uh, all those uh, stories. Uh, it's definitely a treasure um, for the podcast. But, uh, but yeah, we'll definitely have you on for a part two uh, down the line. Definitely. One hundred percent. But uh, a lot of uh, '90s, you know, boom bap producers, you know, their beats tend to not translate in today's music. Right. But how have you been able to adapt to you know hip hop's new sounds in uh, today in 2023?
1: By using their drums, just using the drums from trap. That's it. That's the easiest way that I can tell you. Is is I don't have no special technique or nothing like that. I just make sure that I incorporate some 808s in there if I need to. And, you know, basically just using the the instruments that they basically use to make some trap music, to make some drill music. And, And, you know, I hate to say it, but not in the terms of being dumb, but some people are ignorant towards the way music is made if they don't have a clue what goes on behind the scenes. You understand? So if you just take some of, like, any kind of drum, like let's say you take the drums from your favorite trap song, you can actually do a boom-bap beat with those particular drums and they won't know the difference. They really would think it's still trap, even though I I literally just did a boom-bap cadence with trap drums and it, it'll it sound like, oh, okay, yeah, we, we can rock to this because, you know, the masses is not really paying attention. They just want content. They don't really care what it is. They just want content. So the times are changing. I kind of use that to my advantage. And I and I again, I'm not saying that people are ignorant in the sense of dumb, but just ignorant that they don't have, you know, they don't have the insider knowledge to the situation according to how I am sitting there, you know, putting it together and stuff like that. In terms of drill music and trap, yes, I have records of the sort that I practice learning how to do it, but I try not to get too much into drill because drill has a bad rap to it. And I don't really want to be associated with that. You know what I'm saying? Not that anything's wrong with it because I find it dope. I find it cool. But the negativity that surrounds it is too much at times and it's too overbearing. Sometimes if I was to make a drill beat for someone, right, and they talk about killing their ops and violating their ops in Brooklyn, people would just assume that you got beef with the person because you made the beat. Even if I'm just like, look, I just sold them a beat. I didn't know what he was going to do on it. No, no. You produced the track. They said what they said. We're we're bunching all of you together. So I, I just realized that, you know what? I think it's either I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. I just won't do it. I just won't get involved with it. So that's one genre that I will steer clear of. And by any means necessary, I can watch it. I can listen to it. But <laughs> fellas, I am not getting involved with that. Not at all. But um, trap, I like trap. Trap is necessary. Trap is needed. It deviates away from the norm after a while. And it's always good to be a man of, you know, a man who wears many hats. It's always good to be knowledgeable of many things instead of being knowledge- fully knowledgeable of just one thing. So I still try to have it, the ability to do it. Just basically under my belt, because you never know. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of young kids that want to do music, some of them need guidance. Some of them need, you know, people just to guide them through. And, you know, they're not boom-bap kids because they didn't grow up in it. They are trap kids. So at least I know how to do it if that's what it comes down to. Like, if they want a couple trap music or trap beats, yeah, I can do it. It's not a problem, you know what I'm saying? But I will not give them no goddamn drill music. They can forget that. But I definitely will bust out a trap beat here and there and change the tone up. So then that way you'll miss me for a little while when it come to boom bap and then when I go back to boom bap it's like, "Oh, okay. There he go. Let's go." So I just try to be versatile. That's all, fellas. Just trying to be versatile. That's all.
3: All right. So with that being said, we're going to get to the second track uh produced by SDS Overfiend. Uh this is Moville 90. Uh, The sixth track on Ruffin's Revenge by Tony Ruffin. Uh, It was dropped January 27th, 2023 on SVB recordings. Hope you guys enjoy the song.
1: For the ladies. Uh Uh Uh-huh. See See y'all.
0: Classic classic. shit. Taking it back on you. Back in the building. Playing around, having fun with the shit. Let's go. Because <laughs> we do this shit, you heard? Y'all ain't the only ones. Come on. I get busy too now. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We push uh-huh. the legs too. It's been a long time waiting. We push the legs Uh-huh. We go ride the summer out like this, you heard? We push. Yeah, we push, we push, we push the legs through Moville. We just left the polo grounds. Bump and Kim, MC, move the crowd. Mr. Telephone Man style, Bobby Brown. Call South Hall up before I take her down. No panties, no bar, just a nightgown. She said the sink backed up, she need a pipe down. Off white, snow brown, turn your lights down. I don't want to see face, I want to hear sound. Turn the music down, cause I'm puffin' loud. I can still make a beat from the fuck sounds. This a magnum dick, fuck your lifestyle. You got wop bust nuts till my balls drown. Don't stop, get it, get it. Ass up, face down, I can back the doodle brown. You got that North face, ass like a goose down. I think you fell out the sky, moonshine. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> we gonna ride out with this, you Okay. huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Black, white, Puerto Rican, and Asian. You know the Dutchman to fuck your faces I give you bad shots to fuck outrageous. Tongue kiss your bitch take it home, let her taste it. Invite me to a dick sucking party, how gracious cock in your throat, make you swallow your braces. Locked in them cages to turn you to rapist. That R. Kelly pussy will leave you with cases Sean got his gun in the garden, that's a check? Nah, that's my dick, I just came for neck. Yeah, ease up really back one time, throw your pussy in the air, can it make sunshine? My divine, I'll break your Spine. I get pussy for these rhymes, this dick's a gold mine, you got that North Face ass like a goose down, I think you fell out the sky, moon child. yeah, Just that summer shit, it gets you off your feet ladies, play with your pussy a little bit, rub on your titties, haha, <laughs> yeah, I see you out
1: there,
0: pop off,
3: All right, so that was Moville 90, uh, produced by SDS Overfiend, uh, the sixth track on Ruffin's Revenge EP by Tony Ruffin. Um, but I'm going to pass it off to Issue. Um, he's going to ask you uh, how you came up with the beat and what it's like collaborating with Tony Ruffin.
4: Uh, yeah, but yeah, you could basically explain.
1: All right, that track came about because uh, uh, another uncle of mine, Sean Hill. He always had an idea. For Tony Ruffin to do an album with nothing but classic songs. Sort of like uh, all the songs that they listened to when they was back in Morrisville College. That's why the name of the song is called Moville, 1990. Tony Ruffin played for Morrisville, uh, uh, was a college upstate. So most of the time in the dorms, him and Sean Hill, they were teammates. They used to listen to blend tapes, you know. And all the time, Sean Hill used to always say, yo yo, we need to do a blend tape album where we just rocking over all the old school jams and stuff like that. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, you know what? We're going to get started on something. So uh, Sean Hill would just send me mad different songs that they used to play all the time. when it was upstate. And um, that was one of them. So me and, me and uh, Tony Ruffin was sitting in the crib one day. And I said, "Joe, Hill sent me a song, yo. And I was like, yo, we might need to flip this. And he was like, which one? As soon as I put it on, he was like, oh, moon chow. Oh, hell yeah. Just like that. And he looked at me. And he was like, yo, you know what to do? Line it up. Do the damn thing. So I was like, all right, cool. I basically went the easy route with that one because that one was so perfect that Rick James, he he put his foot in that song. So it wasn't too much for me. It wasn't too much for me to just uh find a break beats to it, loop it up and add a bassline to it. Now, th- this is funny because if you listen closely to the song, there's actually a There's actually a baseline in there from another legendary song. That's actually the secret sauce to that particular record. I like to call it the secret sauce. It's from Kenny Burke, Keep Rising to the Top. It's actually the baseline for when Keep Rising to the Top starts off. I snuck it in there as the main groove to that particular song. So it's it's basically both of those two records kind of blended together that made that. So, the engineer, which is my cousin Jay Pluto, shout outs to Jay Pluto. When we were doing the record, the record didn't have a um, it didn't have Rick James on a chorus, so he was like, Is there any kind of chorus that we wanted to do? And I said, You know what? We actually pieced that together where we came up with the idea. I said, You know what? After he finished with the verse, you'll let Rick James come in, you know what I'm saying? Let Rick James, you know, take it from there. So, we put Rick James, you know, we let Rick James get busy, and, and he was like, Yeah. Everybody who know that song know it's Rick James, but they'll probably remember it from Mary J. Blige. Um, Love is all you need. So once we put Rick James in there, it was on. That made the record. That was like, whoa, hold up. So when I once I sat back and I listened to like the finished project, I was like, hold the fuck up. I did that. Like, whoa. Nah, man. Nah, nah, I ain't do that. Because it didn't sound like anything I've done before. And it sounds perfect, like in a sense of like a perfect record, if not a perfect record, because nothing's perfect. But it sounds like the way you want your record to be. You don't want to make a sappy love song, but you want to make something that's actually for the times, which is now, you know, vulgar and straight to the point. So once he had the lyrics done, it was one take. And that's all, all Tony Ruffin is, is just one take. It ain't no, y'all, I'm going to write the lyrics when I go to the studio. Nah, it's I'm going home. I'm going to roll up. I'm going to eat some snacks. I'm going to come up with this. And by the time we go to the studio, one take. As soon as I get in the booth, it's on. It ain't going to be, it, it, we don't need to go back and touch nothing. Once we got to the studio and he laid the track, that was it. One take. That's all it took. And you would, you would have swore to God we was in there for hours. Nope. We did two. We, I think we did like three, three records that day or two records. One take. That's all it takes. So that's how Moonchild came about. But since I didn't want to call it Moonchild, I just call it Moville 90 because it was basically a story they was telling me about where they went on like a, uh, what they call it, fellas, when you uh, when you go on like a uh, orientation. So they went up to Moville and they was like, yeah, we, we was cruising. Went up there, we went through the polo grounds and, you know, we, we took our time, man, and we was cruising and we went up there and I just wanted them to have the song to have that kind of feel, like a summertime feel something for the ladies where it's not too it's hard enough for the fellas but the ladies would be more like oh god damn really yes that's how we do on this side that's what we do so that's how that song came about and it's one of my favorites actually it's one of my favorites on 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 that ep like definitely stay on it stays on repeat all day shout outs to my cousin jay pluto engineer extraordinaire you know what I'm saying he definitely came through and sprinkled it with his magic with the dropouts and the filters, and he made it a song. He definitely made it a song
4: when Nico was on a podcast, she uh, briefly mentioned how your family would has uh, musically gifted relatives who have become New York stars. Can you touch on and expand on this? because when we did have on, she gave us like a few names, but she she was like waiting for you to get on a podcast for you to really expand on this and like really give us that full dive of like all the musical talent,
1: yeah. um. First and foremost, you all know my brother, you know, B. Rutland. Yeah. You know, he he was out the gate. He was um directly under Tony Ruffin. It, it really started like the bug came from Tony Ruffin. And once B. Rutland started to rap, he spent a lot of time under Tony Ruffin, you know, honing his abilities and stuff like that. So when Tony Ruffin was moving throughout the industry, going to all the industry parties and stuff like that, you know, with his group, the Dutchman, uh, him and Rathbone at the time, they was into you know they was coming back with stories and pictures where they was with everybody one minute they was hanging with foxy brown one minute they was hanging with biggie they was with mop and it will really really benefit one day to have him on the show and he can tell you his journey through the industry because through him i learned a lot of things about the industry and stuff like that so you add those to my brother be what my cousin is also Des. And this is this is a and this a lot of people will be surprised by this. If you heard of the song called Try by Twelve, any any of y'all ever heard of that song, Try by Twelve?
3: No, I have not, unfortunately. All right, I'm gonna refresh your memory.
1: It was the beat that Eminem was rapping on when he did his freestyle for the BET cipher.
3: Oh, okay, okay, yeah, no, I remember that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All
1: right, that's Try by Twelve by Des. That's my cousin Druggy. That's my my blood relative. That's my cousin. live right up the block. That's my cousin. That's his song. Try by 12. That's his song. That song was like probably, this is where really interesting, fellas. Pardon me. I got I to bring it back. <laughs> Tony Ruffin had one of the biggest underground smashes ever. He had a song called Get Your Swerve On. It was the underground anthem of 97. Believe it or not, the underground anthem of 97. You can actually go on YouTube and check it out. It's called Get Your Swerve On. Before that, in 1996, That particular song that that my cousin Des did, Drugie, he did "Tribe By 12, which was the underground anthem of 1996. So you can actually see that both of them had the underground anthems for, like, back-to-back, 96 and 97. So you could basically say that there was two MVPs in my family, back-to-back, 96, 97. Unfortunately, due to the label folding, there was never an official Dutchman album, but they had records on the underground. They had a lot of records on the underground. You can also go catch Tony Ruffin and the Dutchman. You can catch them on Tony Touch, 50 MCs. They were on that that legendary mixtape also. There was a, a mixtape called 50 MCs in which uh, Tony Touch got freestyles from 50 MCs from New York City, 50 different MCs from Man to... Black thought to whomever you can name it from New York, Philadelphia, or New Jersey. They was on there. My uncle is up is right up there. Dutchman is right up there on that on that freestyle. Then uh, I got my cousin, my other cousin from Queens, my other cousin from Queens. That's Ruck Ruck QBC. That's Mister I Am. He was down with a group called the Killer Kids from Queens with Baby Sham. Who eventually went to Flip Mode. A bunch of other kids. Oh Man, Killer Shot. It was a a whole crew. We used to listen to him all day. He appeared on a a QB soundtrack with Nas in a song called called Queens Niggas. Pardon me if I'm not mistaken or something like that. I can't remember the name of it, but we used to listen to it. He was under them and he has an extensive catalog of music throughout the Queens bitch area where he was with Mob Deep. He was with Nas. He was with anybody from QB. You can name it. It's all documented. All the music is there. On YouTube for anybody that want to go check it out. I also got a track with him. If you go look it up, it's called Eighth Slash We Up. It's on um, basically it's one song, but it, it it changes. It has like in the the beat switches up, and it's one verse, you know, with a certain beat, and then the next verse is another beat. The name of the song is called Eighth Slash We Up. So he did get in. The, uh, he he wound up lacing me with some music. Who else? Uh, my older brother. My older brother, Don Plus, he appears on the I Want Mine remix, actually. He was rapping with his group, the grassroots movement. He was rapping with them. He was putting out music on the underground. And I had another cousin named Mike Zutz. Mike Zutz is an underground king in New York. He was an underground king. Him and, actually, him and Tony Ruffin got a song that you can find on YouTube called Straight Service. It was on a mixtape. I forgot which DJ mixtape it was. You can could, you could definitely hear that. Then I have um my brother Moolah, Lord rest the dead. He was a rising star. You can go catch him. You can go catch his music on, on YouTube. Lord rest the dead. He was with a uh, Rowdy Rebel, and he was doing music and stuff like that. And Five Year Farmer was under him. Five Year Farmer was actually my daughter Nico. That's her godbrother. And you know y'all yeah, see what Five Year Farmer doing right now. His mother Miss Yvette May, God bless her soul. Lord rest her soul. That's the Iris guard mom. That's the Iris mother. Beautiful lady. Love her. I miss her daily. I will, I will, I will mourn her till I join her. And um basically, Rowdy Rebel, my neighbors. Rowdy Rebel got his name from my brother B. Rutland and his crew, aka the Rutland Rebels, which consists of B. Rutland, Melody Inferno, and Flawless Flaw. Those three. Including many more. Scrap the lost rebel, Lady Ganja. You know, if you name it, you from the nineties, you basically was a Rutland Rebel because that's where we're from, Rutland Road. You can actually go here, you can go hear their music on, on YouTube if you want to go check them out. I actually produced the song for them that was that that was going to be on the forthcoming album that I'm that I'm, I'm currently putting together as we speak called Rebel Soldiers. So you can get the chance, you can check that out. That's probably, I'm not even gonna lie to you, that. Particular song right there is probably one of them, one of my finest records. That's me in my finest hour because I was really trying to up the ante for them, and they came through and delivered. I have a um man. I have so much family, man. Jay Pluto. I just I just mentioned him before. He's an artist, producer slash engineer, triple threat. He got music out that you could definitely go check. He also has YouTube tutorials on engineering and how to get the best of your sound and stuff like that. He making major moves. And as long as I knew him, I didn't even know he was doing that until I got back in the music. And he told me come down to the studio and see what's going on. And ever since then, that's where I did a lot of my recording. I gotta give shout-outs to my cousin DJ Big Bad Bolo. Gotta shout DJ Big Bad Bolo out because there's no music in the 90s that don't that don't come out that don't pass through his hands. You know what I'm saying? Because he is the 90s. I'm gonna give him that credit. Where credit is do where any new music you hear from the '90s, he play it first. When he come out with the set and we having another Give Up Tournament, if your music make it during the tournament, if it's played during the, in the um the inner what they call it the intervals in the tournament, or you know it's played, then you know you made it in the hood because everybody is out those days and they're gonna hear it. So a lot of the music that I have that I've done, even with Issue High, I send it to him. So so sometimes you know during the summer when we playing ball. He might just randomly throw on some music. he only played the music from the non. so when your song come up there, just know you made it and so far so good my music has been getting played definitely so that's just that's just a, um, a quick rundown of a lot of the people in my family and close friends that's in the music game that that do a whole lot. I, oh let me let me not forget. I also have another cousin who does music and he was actually signed by joey badass i can't forget him his name is nao quelly new age outlaws quelly he was he signed directly under joey badass you can actually go catch his music on uh youtube uh you can catch it on all the digital streaming platforms this that and the third that's actually my cousin tiffany lord rest the dead that's her son And he's actually my blood relative who does music, travel all around the world. And I mean, come on, he signed a Joey Badass. What more can you ask? What more can you ask for? So basically, he part of pro. He part of pro era. Wow, man, the list is long. The list is long. I I be sitting here all day. We have a four-hour podcast (laughs) listening to me tell it. But that's just the name of few. So like I said. We'll definitely have to come back for a part two, fellas. We definitely got to do a part two.
3: Yeah, m- most definitely we'll do a part two uh, soon enough. Uh, but now we're going to get to uh, the third track we're going to play, produced by SDS. And uh, this is actually a B. Rutland's song. So it's the I Want Minds" remi- remix uh, featuring yes. yes. Don Plus. Yeah, this is definitely it issues, you know, music aside that you produce. This is probably one of my favorite tracks uh, that you produce, man.
1: Before we go into the track, got to give shout out to P.F. Cutting. P.F. Cutting actually did the cuts and the scratches, and he engineered this record. So the cuts and scratches is done by P.F. Cutting. Salute P.F. Cutting. The legendary P.F. Cutting.
3: Yeah, no, I remember you uh, You post that in your Instagram post when you posted the song. Yeah, um, yeah so shout out to him as well. Um, but hope you guys enjoy the song, I Want Mines Remix. My money, yes or no? (laughs) No. S
5: D S -S 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 over thing. Oh, yeah. It's the king of rock. King of the ounce, nigga. It's that gully fly nigga, big jinker, don't get her Rain sleet or snoker, give a fuck about the weather, hit the shoebox Or get it from the bank teller, call me Twitter, they follow me I'm your favorite trendsetter, talk that I backpacks and give them out, you got a couple spot problems with a bully, I get them out Send a 42 shot message or get it spouse. Words come to words, we kick doors to get out. house they say if you flashing with your cash, then it's for the clout. They ain't rub my paper up, nigga, like three accounts. You clout chasin', write a check, pussy, I bet it bounce. I could top your stash with the stash that I stashed in my account. Grindin' since 89. I used to post on a high strip with mainly dimes. Around thieves and cutthroats with crazy shine. Never scared I give you work, just pay me mine off. From this baby nine. What was he
2: Walk up thin line No fun, I tuck the baby Now you way behind And you on your grind It's pay me time For any fucker that Think I won't
5: double back and cut like stumble And pop like bubble wrap is trouble Black blood by the buckets For my duckets. Justice is obstructed If this nigga's not abducted In touch with something Real sharp Any blade is fine Niggas, I can't wait for my gravy It's pay me time You barking with no bite I'm in the park With a parker and scully And scope light Hoping my dough right Them rainy and cold nights Hold tight Yo, I'm not that slow that's no dice, toe slice. You next nice, with this ain't eighty nine. I hit your head, leg, and maybe spine. Come up, it's pay me time. What was he thinking on my phone? They say blood is thicker, not even. Shit be different, I beg to differ. These niggas, uh, go to jail, come home, be bitter. These bitches, uh, sell they food stands for weed and liquor. My niggas, uh, pull straps, leave hoes with blinkers. When you lose pints of blood, they get cold with shivers. Bucktown, home of the hitters, the shiestiest critters. Foul thinking, cold hearted, grindiest niggas. We move out, get that cake. Switch plates, state to state. Re up, bag, smash and scrape. First up, never last in place. Never have to take. With a bag, it's always cash to make. Especially in these crazy times Coronavirus niggas messed up crazy crime Snake niggas shady times Mom set to 80 grind You owe me dope, just pay me mine up From this baby now. What was he on my corner?
3: All right. Phenomenal track right there. That was the I Want Minds" remix uh, by B. Rutland featuring uh, Don Plus. Uh, But before I get um, SDSU to break down uh, the track uh, from your perspective uh, issue, I just want to get your thoughts um, on this track me man i love it man i like
4: the the scratches and the mixes on it and i really like the loop that plays behind it man svb never disappoints honestly and Thank you. like outside of the music that he makes for me like i tune in i listen to a, uh, a lot of tony ruffin b running rebel rebels i'm sorry and it's just like it's it's like that it's in the world that i'm in and like you can play it on my playlist and stuff like that i could play it and it just blends in well similar to what svb said and stuff like that like it's similar to what I like to listen to, man. It's just like that music that hits home, and it it reminds me of like growing up and you know early two thousands and the the music influences from my father and him writing rhymes and him listening to uh, two two thousands hip hop on the um stereo and stuff like that, that. that's what influenced my music style. So um, when hearing all these songs that S V B made, man, it just it's like it reminds me of my childhood in a way, kinda.
1: Thank you, thank you, man. I appreciate that, man. Truly do
3: yeah and then, yeah, just just break down how you know this entire track came together, the collaboration with Don Plus and and B. Rutland, and yeah, how you produced the beat.
1: All right, is this way it gets interesting? What happened was it was a track that I just did. I didn't have um I didn't really have I didn't really make it for this particular moment. It was a beat that I had that I'd done. And I was like, you know what? I don't know who's it gonna go to, but it was just like in my in the foul, just like in the stash. I played it for my brother, and he said, you know what? I want that. I want that, bro. That's mine. I want that. That's all me. So the way he kept saying it, I was like, you know what? I want mine's. Like it just, it just felt like it just felt natural. So I was like, yo, you know what, man? I'm gonna name the track I want mine's. I named the track I want mine's because that was how he was reacting to wanting that beat. And I just was like, yeah, I just gave it to him. I named it I Want Mines. And he basically stuck to the script and named the track I Want Mines. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The album version is actually the normal, is is actually the unfinished version. But the remix is actually the real version to the song. Reason being was that when I submitted it to upload it, my brother had only gave me the original one. The original one didn't have the scratches and it didn't have Dawn Plus on it. It was the original. I thought that he sent me the, the, the one that, you know, was the completed version. And he was like, look, just put it out, man. If you could put it out, put it out. We'll just, you know, do it later. So when I wound up sequencing the album, I said, you know what? This is probably the only song that has like a long introduction. being that Payback is my favorite Mel Gibson movie. I remember that scene vividly where he was looking for his 70000 So he went to Fairfax office to get his money. But for some strange reason, when I went to find that particular version, they had the unedited version where they didn't have Fairfax on the phone, but they had the lady answer the phone. So I was was like, you know what? I like this version because the lady, you know, She has like this condescending voice. So I said, yeah, I'm going to run with this version. I'm not going to use the one, you know, with with Fairfax when he answered the phone. I'm going to use this one. So I put that intro in there to show you how dead serious we like we was about wanting ours. So as things became crucial, I remember my brother was like, yeah, I'm going to leave it as I want mine because a lot of people in the streets owed the money, and he was like, yeah, it's time I collect because I-, I looked out for a lot of people, and I want mine now. So it literally stuck. When I came up with the beat for the song, I had a, one, of the rec- one of the um songs that I stashed on YouTube from when I used to just listen to music and say, when I start doing beats, I'm going to come back to it. That was one of the songs. I can't even remember the name for it. And um, it had this nice bass line, and that whole bass line that you hear is actually the sample from the song. Where it just has that nice bass line. and I was like, you know what, this would be the perfect lead-off track. I'm not gonna do too much to overproduce it. I'm gonna try to keep it as as simple as I can. When I when when the drum pat when the drum pattern was coming up, I was like, you know what, up tempo. We going up tempo. No slow stuff. We going up tempo with this one because we want them to feel it. So I laid the drums. I sped it up a little bit. I, I evened out the sample. I flattened the, the bass line in a little bit, and I found the louder and louder sample. I always liked that sample from back in the day because it was from a breakbeat. And I had thought Kanye used it really well as the intro for the people. So I was like, I'm going to use this, and I'm going to, you know, along with the chorus, I'm, I'm going to say it like for people that don't hear that we want mine, we're going to be a little louder with it. So that's why I keep going louder, louder. Because I was like, yo, we want people in the back to hear it. Yo, if you got something and you owe it, I want mine. Let me get that. Let me get that. I want mine. So the whole premise of the song was basically wrapped around wanting what's yours. Like somebody got what, what belong to you. We want that. No questions asked. Just send it. You know, we don't want to hear, oh, we'll give it to you tomorrow. Oh, come check me next week. Nah, we want that right now. So that's how that whole song came about. I want mine because when my brother heard the be, beat, was like, "Yo, I want that. It ain't going to nobody but me. I'm claiming it." So it just fell right. It, it just fell in piece like a puzzle, like the missing piece to the puzzle. And and there you have it. So he went to go record it. He went to go see P.F. Cutting, and P.F. Cutting is like a good friend of the family, man. P.F. Cutting doesn't really uh record anymore like that. He normally just engineers and he'll he'll you know he'll engineer. Like if you got a project, he'll definitely engineer him for you. And his services is really good, very, very good. But him and my brother B Rutt, they have a special like relationship where they cool. And you know, he always considered them like a friend of the family. So, you know, if Rutt says, Yo, PF, I got something that I want, I want to record and I want you there, you know, PF will always make that exception to come through for Rutt. So, once he did that, it was like, Yo, I'm, I'm getting them cuts and scratches now, mind you. A lot of the times, you know, a lot of records from back in the day didn't have choruses. They would just use a scratch hook. And I'm segwaying into it. When you hear the chorus, you know, it's a scratch hook, basically. So when we were doing a lot of the records, we was like, listen, we're going to take it back to the essence where, you know, we bring bringing a DJ in. we bring bringing a DJ in. So um, I had a friend that I, I knew for years, believe it or not. We was in a Knicks group together for over, damn near over 11 years. and. I didn't really know he'd do music, but he was like my psychiatrist. Whenever the Knicks would make me mad, he always say the smallest thing to me to stop me from jumping off the roof. One day I heard a record from him that he produced, and Chris Rivers was on the record. And I looked in the video, and I said, holy shit, that's you on the turntables in the video. And and my friend E-Rex, he was actually Mr. Scratch Hook. And he was like, yo, listen, I see you doing you back into your music. And he was like, yo, I didn't even know you had heat like that. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm trying to get back to it. So he basically was like the glue to Tony Ruffin's album, believe it or not. He was the glue on two tracks. He did the scratch hook for two tracks. And he basically was the scene stealer, you know? And he he just was like, you know, just hearing him and, and hearing him get busy, it brought it back to, so he was like, yo, listen, Ruff, we might need some scratch hooks on this. So before we made the deadline for uh Mr. Scratch Hook, P.F. Cutting already was like, yo, I I, I put something up there. So you know what I'm saying, and I didn't want to take P.F. off. So I was like, you know what, there's enough room for everybody, man. I don't I don't cut one off for the other. I don't do that. I said there's enough room for everybody. So uh, when it comes to Tony Ruffin, Mr. Scratch Hook is like my DJ. When it involves him and some of the songs that we'll do later on down the line, probably with, P- uh, with Rutt. with since rut work with pf pf is almost more inclined to put scratches on it himself so you know what i'm saying that's how you know the secret sauce to that record was added man the cuts and the scratches that basically set the tone for the chorus so shout outs to the djs man shout out to mr scratch hook aka my psychiatrist that will literally talk me off the ledge when the Knicks start to make me sick <laughs>
3: All right. So the next conversation uh, that we wanted to have is, you know, somewhat of a uncomfortable conversation to have, but necessary being it's, you know, such a big story in New York hip hop um, is, you know, all the rappers um, who've been in prison and who are currently in prison as, you know, the New York justice system has a history of not going easy on the rappers as, course, you know, of, of recently, course. you know, rising stars like Sleepy Hollow, you know, Chef G, yes, yes. K-Flock, yes. and even now uh, Dusty Locaine are all currently, you know, incarcerated for various charges. Yeah. Um. You've already like, you know, mentioned your thoughts on, you know, the drill community, um, but just share, what are your thoughts on um, the New York justice system? And then all these big stars uh, being locked up.
1: Yeah. Um. Basically. Man, one one thing's for certain, three things for sure, is that you can't escape the long arm of the law, right? Now, they're using the music to give these boys these trumped-up charges, these unjust charges, and they're trying to make them out to be, like, killers. And, like, no, no, no. I know them. I know Chef G. I know, you know... Sleepy Hollow. I literally know them. And if you look at my page on you on Instagram, you'll actually see that I have a picture with them with my daughters. Like, they they, they took a picture with my daughters. And they have a documentary where they was showing you how and they used to play tag. They used to play manhunt in my building. And they want my brother, B. Rutt. And they're like, yo, listen, this is the dude that we knew who was the spitter in the hood. And we used to always try to impress him. And they're good, yo. They're good kids. They're not bad kids at least from what i know they're good kids yeah you know they do knuckle-headed things you know what i'm saying because kids do knuckle-headed things but all all are trying to make them out to be kingpins and this that and the third Nah, man they just using the music and they they listening and they they, they listening to all the records with a fine-tooth comb and they combing through it and they they looking for names they looking for dates And they're looking for everything just to try to pin charges on you for other people that they couldn't get. So it's like when you when you look at them, like, I'm not saying that they're whole like they're innocent, innocent. But it's just that, yo, they don't understand that, yo, you can't shake the long arm of the law. Once they lock in on you, you can't talk about doing this. Even if you didn't do it, you can't associate yourself with anything because now they're looking to give you the RICO. They're looking to give you conspiracy and they're just using your own lyrics against you to get these charges. So whenever it's a high-profile case, trust me. They're sitting there licking their chops, hoping to catch these dudes, man, because it looks good, regardless of which. And like I said, I can't, I can't tell anybody what to do and what not to do. I can only offer advice. And, and my advice to them was to stay out of trouble, man. Don't 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 end up in the belly of the beast. Don't feed the system. And it's unfortunate that it had to happen. But I lost a lot of good friends to the system, man. And my and, and my friend Flo, man. Floor from the Rutland Rebels, he's currently incarcerated. And that's a big blow. That's a big blow to my to, to the label. That's a big blow to the team. My my cousin Des, he's incarcerated. Tribe Mr. Tribe by Trial himself, he can't even be home to enjoy the fruits of hearing Eminem rap on his record and seeing a spike in views go up for that video, just from the instrumental to that song and that video. So it, it, it not only does it, it, it hurts them, but it hurts the family. It hurts the people that has to try to go on without them, knowing that they was an integral part of movements, of life of just all types of things. And once you start to see that, it's like, damn, wow, could it could have been a little bit better if they would have woke up and did this? Would it have changed anything? So now you left with like the greatest what-ifs in the world. It hurts. But again, half of them charges that they're trying to get these boys, it's not even fair. It's not even correct. It's not even correct. They're pushing for it, and they're getting it too just because they're rappers. So that go to show you, you know, another reason why I won't get involved with that drill music because they're listening to everything involved with it. So I just stay clear of it, man. Free the guys. I hope somehow they find loopholes in all their cases and they could come home and be with their family and, and get the chance to turn over a new leaf, you know, keep making their music and do everything positive, man, to stay out of the belly of the goddamn beast. It just hurts. It hurts. Hurts. Hurts bad.
3: Well, yeah, I appreciate you uh, sharing that perspective. Um, You know, it's something that has affected, you know, not only people in your community, but people directly in your family. Yeah. You know, it's a good message to share to, you know, young men and women all around the world, you know, not just in New York. Um, Very, very important message.
1: Right. All over, all over. Because you can't, you can't keep getting locked up in the prime of your career. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. I seen Rowdy Rebel and Bobby Smyrna get locked up right in the prime of their career. The prime. Seven years wasted. Seven years wasted. That, that hurts. And what what hurts even more, pardon me, I'm sorry to, to cut your wisdom, what hurts even more is that my brother, my brother Moolah, he has songs with Rowdy. And he was like, "Yo, I don't want to release these songs before he come home." You know what I'm saying? Because without him, the energy won't be the same. And um, they had a song, and it, and I can't even find the song. I can't even find the engineer. I think uh, a friend of the family, Jeff. Jeff to the left probably have the um song. It was actually a, a couple songs with them too. And my brother passed away, man. He died before Rowdy come home. He died before he came home. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it hurt It heard it because it was like damn he was literally the only one that was here out on the streets holding it down while they was in jail and it was because of him that that five he got that taste to want to you know change and and start doing music and being videos you can actually go look on 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 youtube and you can find a um a song from Mook core free my it's called free like free my guys or whatever free my niggas whatever the name of the song is in the beginning of the in the in the video, you'll actually see my brother Mookie and Five and Favio in front of the building, you know, shoot doing their scene for the movie, like they selling drugs and they get locked up. And that's actually five year that's with him. Five year got a taste of that, just being in a music video. Like, yo, word, yo, this is what it feel like. The beat, yo, yo, you know what? It's on. And ever since that day, that's where five year was born. Cause he was actually like five he was called, he was calling himself light, light five year at the time. And once he got in that music video and he was like, yo, yeah, man, it's on, man. This is what I want to do. And that's, that's when he got the, the itch and my brother passed away, man, before he could really see, you know, what he could have been when everybody came home and five year took off.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Rest in peace, um, to your brother. Yeah. It's unfortunate Thank- that we didn't get to hear, um, those records, <laughs> But for, you know, young people that, you know, want to start producing or have already started producing and are at the beginning of their career, uh, what advice do you have for them? You know, equipment to get, you know, DAWs to use, um, even tutorials and videos uh, to watch that you've seen out recently.
1: Basically, you know, nothing trumps practice. Practice, practice, practice. First and foremost, you must always practice. Take time out the day. practice. Always, because sometimes your practice sessions may turn into one of the best songs you could ever do. I would definitely say, um, you know, practice. I can never stress that enough. Sit down and try to, and try to make at least an hour or two out of the day to, 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 to keep working on your craft, working on your timings, your, you know, tweaking your sound, just learning your machine, your DAW, your DAW, whatever it is that you're using, just always practice. As far as doggo I tried at first I tried using foodie loops years ago but I I just felt comfortable using my MPC you know what I'm saying I just felt comfortable tapping the pads and doing stuff like that then I had um I had uh I was using GarageBand for a little while I left it alone and went back to it and started doing some different things with it and then what's the other one that I had used for Apple I use it sparingly, but I don't. I don't use it too much. Logic,
3: I logic, really,
1: yeah, yeah. Logic, logic. Sorry, logic. I use it sparingly, just to clean up certain things. I'll, I'll, I, you know, try to sit behind the engineer and look at what he's doing because I'm not too much of a master behind it. Everything that I try to do is just standalone. That's when I'm at my most comfortable where I can just do everything on standalone because with the MPC live. It basically does everything for you. It has a touchscreen. I can do everything I want from the NPC live until it's time for me to, like, you know, that's pre-production, then it's time for me to take it to, to the studio. So with that being said, you know, one of those three will definitely suit you fine. Definitely definitely suit you fine. But it's all up to the comfortability of the user. That's all it is. So I recommend either one of those three. I recommend using an NPC if that's what you want. I recommend using an MPD if that's what you want to go with your DAW. It's all good. Just produce. Just use it. Don't have it sitting around not doing anything with it. You you got it. You got a couple hours out there. It's 24 hours in the day. You got one or two hours to actually go sit down Turn the machine on and start working. Get in the zone. Try to find your sound, you know? The more you do music, the more you will develop your sound, you know? And that's, I can't stress the importance of that enough. Practice, spend time with your craft, and just make sure that, you know, you're knowledgeable in everything and not just, you know, a master at one thing. Try to be knowledgeable in everything. And that's basically my advice because that was the same advice that I got from a lot of beat makers coming up. Just practice and keep, you know, making the beat and you'll notice that for every beat that you make, they'll get better and better and better. So you just have to to keep practicing. If I can recommend any YouTube videos, if you're a boom-bat producer and you want to deal with samples and stuff like that, I could recommend rhythm roulette. The rhythm roulette series where they just uh they get uh, you know any producer, they blindfold the producer, he picks 3 records and then he basically goes from there and he tries to make a beat out of the 3 records. You know, he has to make a beat out of the 3 records. I always use that whenever I get into a jam and I have to remind myself to start, you know, my foundation back up again from the ground up most um, any other time you can definitely check for any tutorial videos on you know just how to make music listen to music don't be afraid to listen to a rock and roll song don't be afraid to listen to r&b don't even be afraid to listen to taylor swift every now and then you can learn a lot from a dummy not saying she a dummy but you can learn a lot from whatever it is that you're looking at because you can always learn how to add different elements in your music from different genres that will separate you from the pack. You understand? Instruments is instruments, especially if you want to be a, a non sample bass producer. Always listen to everyone. Um, who can I recommend? The best person that I can recommend is uh, check out Nal Rogers. Nal Rogers from the band, she- from Sheik, who did Freak Out. A lot of people don't know this, but he actually produced the song Material Girl for Madonna. And he's a black guy. You would have never thought it. He played the guitar, and the name of his guitar is called The Hitmaker. Go check him out, and you'll see just what you need to know when it comes to making movies. Just check out the legendary Nile Rodgers. Listen to everything he saying, and basically just, just zip zip it and just listen. And trust me, that will level you up a whole lot because it did it for me. So those is definitely... Uh, a couple things and a person that I recommend going and listening to, definitely, for starting out.
4: Other than the music that, you know, me and you've been working on, right. um, what do you have in store for the rest of the year and what could people, you know, expect from SVB Productions uh, for the rest of 2023 and going into 2024?
1: I'm working on a project with a good friend of mine, man, a day one of my Suicide Inf. We're, we're working on a project. So right now we're probably about three songs deep. And then uh I got another project that I'm also working on with another friend of mine, Mr. Penn. And you know, and if the funny part is that actually me, him, and uh Suicide, we all went to junior high together. And we went we went to high school a couple of years together. We are from the neighborhood. We got over 30 something years in. And they do music too. They from um they from Crown Heights. They represent the Crown Heights side. But you know, my, my side is their second home. So, you know. They joined up with the fam and was like, listen, man, we like what you're doing over there. We want to be part of it. So you could definitely go check out the two songs that I did with them. They're currently out right now by Suicide Inf Body Bag Intro, produced by me. That's for his um his, his upcoming project. And then uh Mr. Pen, his album, Survivor's Remorse. I had the um the pleasure of being able to produce a track up there. It was a late entry, but nonetheless, it was an entry. And the name of that track is called uh Black Mama 24, produced by me. So you can definitely check that out. And you can see what, you know, we got, you know, working on so far coming through. I actually just submitted some music to somebody. I don't want to call it before I spoil it, but um, it was a it was a rapper that was under uh Eric Sermon that I admired for a long time. One of my favorite rappers for a while, his name is Cy Scott, and he's from Philadelphia. He was uh he was down with he was down with um Eric Sermon and he was on he was on almost all the Eric Sermon projects. And um he reached out. Well actually I actually reached out to him just on some regular, you know, admiring and, and liking him uh a song that he was doing. And I, I remember talking to him on Instagram and I just shot him out, you know, basically just showing love. The, the way I do, just show love and stuff like that, giving people their flowers so they can smell them while they're alive. And um, you know, b- b- and being that he a real cat, a real dude. I just was like, yo, listen, man. If you if you want to work, I'm here. I I'm not in it for the money. I'm I'm in it for the hobby. I'm in it for the prestige. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a thrill for me. I'm I don't care about the money or nothing like that. I'm not I'm not strapped for cash. This is actually a hobby. Like, I like to I like music. I love music, and you know what I'm saying. And you know, he just was like, yo, listen, man. You got some music? Send it through, man. I'm listening. I need some stuff, man. I want to work on a project, and 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 you know, he checked it out, and he said, "Yo, listen, man, I got. I, I had three joints that, yo, those are mine, bro. Those are mine. You can forget it. Just just x them off the beat tape. I'm taking them. And I was, I was like, you know what? They're yours, man. Go ahead, do your thing. So definitely be out on, be on the lookout for Sai Scott, man. And you can check, you can definitely check him out. Sai Scott. S Y. S C O T T, signed Scott from Philly, man. Excellent fucking rapper. Excellent rapper, man. One of the one of the to me, you know, one of the best that I heard, you know, from when I first heard him back in 2001. And you know, he never disappointed me up until now. He actually had a um project with where he did some music with the legendary Diamond D. So you could definitely check that out, man. So you know, I'm just crossing my fingers that man, that music get done, man, and I could definitely give it to the world. I have a. I'm I'm currently working on some tracks or putting together some tracks also for Rutland Confidential too, and I'm cleaning up some tracks for uh, Son of Mary, and that's that's Tony Ruffin's second project, the second EP we doing, and that that'll probably be like eight tracks. So that'll probably be like seven to eight tracks. So I'm finishing up some tracks for those, where I'm just going back EQing and doing certain things and stuff like that, and. I'm finishing up the the Rutland, the Rutland Confidential 2. I'm like I said, I'm already about eight songs in with that. Like three of the songs is done so far. And we're trying to aim for like 10. Last album, last um album was eight. You know, try to stretch it to like 10. In the meantime, basically, me myself, I'm gonna put out a a little beat tape, an instrumental beat tape with some missus that I had that was lying around that I just wanted to share with the world man and I just wanted to just put it out there and just let people have some music to listen to let people have some music to freestyle to do whatever they want with it it was just basically missing stuff that never went out that never got used that was more or less uh some 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 was demos and some was unfinished that I didn't really have I didn't really have any thought to go back and fix up and stuff like that and people can just vibe out to it. And it's gonna be a it's gonna be on a, a mixtape called Asleep in the Basement. Just like Fell Asleep in the Basement, Volume One. So it's gonna be like gritty, dark, you know, boom bat beats to the point where it's like, yeah, I was listening to this in the basement. I fell asleep in my mom's basement, listening to some old Dusty. So basically that's that's the next uh project that I'll be putting out myself. So definitely be on the lookout for that.
3: Yeah, guys, stay tuned uh, for everything uh, coming soon from SDS Overfiend. Uh, We'll post his Instagram in the bio of this episode. And then also, you know, we'll tag him in in all the posts as well. So definitely uh, go follow him on Instagram and all other platforms uh, to stay tuned for that. But now we're going to announce the LP uh, issues LP that's coming 2024, you know, entirely produced by SDS Overfiend. Yes. Uh So the title of it is a vulnerable dive into the all unknown, uh, coming sometime next year. Right. I've had the privilege of listening to all the beats and you know looking at the album cover, of course. And I mean, I'm blown away. Like both of you are, are reaching a new level um, with this project coming. So yeah, we'll definitely post more about it. As the year goes on, yes, sir. I think I want to do a Heaven's Door music video. Um, so we'll definitely get you to collab in that as well. No doubt. No. And uh, yeah, we're gonna go crazy for this rollout, even crazier than a- AG, uh, for sure.
1: Oh, of course. And we and we look, we got a we got a shout, we got a shout out issue because Ixu actually co produced the track on there with me,
3: right? Yes, yes, of course, of course, of course.
1: Yeah, so definitely. So hopefully, he'll step from behind the mic to the board sooner than more sooner than later where he could become a triple threat. So yeah. let's keep our fucking trust that he stick with it, man. Cause that that's that's man, listen, man. That that would be an honor to 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 see this man grow from, you know, to be a triple threat. Produce his own music and he could write his own music. He could hey man, it's growth. And I I'm definitely looking forward to this project, man. Oh man. Oh man, y'all, y'all don't know. Y'all in for a treat, man. Yeah, in for a treat. So whatever you think you heard before, man, we going above and beyond that, man. It's gonna be so much sounds.
3: Yeah, su- super excited for that. Um, yeah, everyone, stay tuned. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be amazing. But uh, that basically wraps up the interview with SDS Overfiend. Thank you so much, man, for coming on the platform. This has been no
5: problem. No problem. saying
3: it's been a treasure is an understatement because I mean I gotta admit I've been blown away. Since you first started, you know, storytelling on this. Right. <laughs> and in the 80 episodes that we've done, you know, for me, this is my favorite and, you know, most important episode that, you know, we're going to put out to date. Um, so thank you so much for that.
1: Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank Issue for, for actually, man, uh, for, for giving me the chance because he could have used anybody in the world. But he came to me and said, listen, man, I want you to be part of this, man. And that was the honor. And, and, and you know what? The whole the whole savant family took me in, man. And it, it's been nothing but good vibes. And and it, it's been love, man. Like I could, I could really feel it. Like, you know, and it and it feels it, it's so welcoming. You know what I mean? And that's all that's all you ever want as a person to know that you know what? There is somebody out there in the world that appreciates what you do. You know what I'm saying? Because at, at this point, I can I can literally say on this podcast right now like your issue, your money's no good here, bro. Your money's no good here. This is some stuff that's from the heart. You know what I'm saying? And, and when it's all said and done, it's a time capsule. You know what I'm saying? That people could go and look back and be like, yo, look what they did. Look at this body of work. You understand? And like we talked about before and, you know, we had our private conversations where we build, but now that, you know, this is the podcast, everybody you know, everybody's listening. I want them to know that this is like the grassroots movement of how you got a J. Cole, how you got a a Kendrick Lamar, how you got a Drake, like how you got all these people that had that one producer that they was like, listen, we just going to keep making music to the whole world, catch up to what we doing. And then by the time they catch up to it and they go back and be like, well, wait, hold up. There's like eight other projects that we didn't know about that exists. Yeah. And, and it is right there. It's it's right there for your consumption. Go listen to it. And that's what, that's what I envision for issue. Like when it's all said and done, they're gonna be like, yo, look at look at his body of work, look at his work ethic, look at all the stuff that he did, look at what he did. He's been a star. This didn't just happen overnight. You just happened to hear it yesterday. That's all it was. That's all it was. But the grind been there the grind been there you know so that's my like last words for everybody to understand get down now you know what i'm saying get appreciated now because everybody ain't gonna have access when this when everything starts to take off
3: all right and then uh, before we end the episode off and play the last track in the outro um issue any last thoughts um on this uh, episode with SDS
4: Yeah, it's been a long time coming. and I want to thank SVB for hopping on this podcast with us and you know, dropping knowledge and giving us some stories and one of my favorite episodes that we've definitely done short sure, and I'm excited to um, definitely bring him back
3: on soon. Yes, sir. Yeah, most definitely he will be back on soon enough. Um, but for the outro, we're going to play Kill a Nine uh, Rhythm. Uh, this was dropped on April 9, 2023. Uh, before we end this off, is there anything you want to say about this track?
1: Yeah, uh, I came up with this rhythm because I was actually paying homage to a, a reggae producer that I, I learned a lot from by just listening to him. He was a big part of my high school years. The bashments that I used to go to and like he was responsible for one of the greatest reggae rhythms ever that I fell in love with and that's the Joyride rhythm. So that's um the Honorable Dave Kelly, you know, Rude Boy Kelly, some may know him as. And when I wanted to make... A, a reggae rhythm, I had a friend of mine, uh, Andy from Phase Nine Sounds. We was just sitting around one night and I was like, yo, you know what? I'm going to try to make a rhythm. And he was like, yo, all right, cool. And I said, yo, I'm I'm going to do it. And I had the machine, right? We were sitting outside and I just came up with the idea for it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try my hand at it. I did it. I took it back home, worked on it, EQ'd it, did everything I can do to try to make it sound like it was a rhythm and This is what it is. And it was my little, like, little passion project. So I just wanted to share with the world to let them know, listen, I can do it all. I can definitely do it all.
3: All right. So with that being said, we're going to end the episode off. uh, But on the outro, you guys are going to hear Killa Nine Rhythm, uh, which was dropped on April 2023. Um, Hope you guys enjoy the song and thank you so much for listening. Oh, okay.
0: Season and I'm feeling like stunts They hitting on me
2: and my homie Cause I'm minds not alike They like mad cause Stikes. we just got the passion Never slacking or lagging The funny thing is Step
1: up to us You know we bought that action But look